This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg Page 181, we're in the middle of the explanation of letter number 27, which is the only letter that has an explanation because the subject matter needs, needs an explanation, because it's discussing the, the comfort, the Hasidim after who are mourning the passing of their Rebbe, of their leader, of their mentor, of their spiritual father. So, as the Rebbe pointed out, pointed out when we do uh, the Shabbat with Shabbos Mavarchim, we bless the new month. So we say in the blessing that uh, Hashem should renew this month, for life and for peace, for joy and for rejoicing. And we say Amen, the congregation says Amen, and then you say to help, to comfort. And the Chazan says, let us say Amen. Because for, to comfort, you have to add something. It's not enough just to say, you could have said, like he said earlier, period. And the congregation answers, Amen. Why does the Chazan have to encourage? Let us say Amen. Because it's not enough. Even after you say comfort, all the words are inadequate. All the words in the world are inadequate. It doesn't comfort you. It doesn't, sol- it doesn't soothe you. It doesn't address the pain. So all the words and nice words and potent words and true words, but it doesn't fully, it's not adequate to the pain. So you have to say, you need an encouragement, and let us say, Amen. So this is the only letter that Alter Rebbe wrote an explanation. After giving, after the first letter, after the letter, the original letter, which, with its depth and its explanation, but after everything is said and done, you need an additional like the Chazan has to say, let, let's, let's, let's add and uh, let's try to find some comfort, some words that will soothe the pain. So we're in the middle of the explanation, we're on page 181. So in the explanation he explained that not only is the soul of the tzaddik just as active and is alive, just like he was alive when he was physically present. But he's even more alive and he's even more active in this world than he was before. Because when the soul was in the body, the soul was limited. 
And even though a person has an aura, every person has an aura around them, an energy. And very special people, uh, energy healers, or very mystical people are able to see and sense the person's aura. There's an energy around you. Every person has an energy. We don't sense it. The average person can sense auras. We don't see auras and we don't sense auras. So our interaction with the other person is strictly limited to what they say. When they say something, I'm connecting to them. I hear what they're saying. What they do. Or even their thoughts. Because even though thought is very private, but I look at your face, and I can see you're deeply lost in thought. Looking at your face, your thoughts have an impression and leave an impression on on those who are outside. What's the difference in the face? Have you heard the words? What's the difference if you see the face or you don't see the face? Because seeing the face is you're seeing the thoughts. The thoughts affect the face. And you look at the face, it has an effect on you. So that effect and impact is a more internal impact because of thought, speech, and action. But other than that, I'm not affected by the soul of my Rebbe because I, I, I don't sense his aura and I don't sense his energy. I'm not, I'm not in touch with, the, with that. But what happens when the tzaddik passes away and now his soul is no longer limited to the body? Which means that the soul, when the tzaddik passes away, it's like a surge of energy. It's like a... It's an intensification of the energy. The tzaddik soul has been elevated. And because he's been elevated, he can no longer be contained in the body. It's too powerful to be contained in the body. Just like you have a power surge. It's too powerful. The vessel can no longer contain it. So the body can no longer contain the soul of the tzaddik because the the day the tzaddik passes away, there's a power surge. The tzaddik's soul explodes, intensifies a thousandfold. It can no longer be contained in the body. So now, the students can access the soul of the tzaddik directly. Not only externally through the tzaddik's thought, speech, or action, which we no longer have. Tzaddik is no longer physically present with us, so we don't see him in action, and we don't hear him speak, and we don't see him thinking. But we get it directly. We're able to access his soul directly. Now that his soul is no longer limited in the body, we have the aura of the tzaddik, but it's no longer limited. Just like when the tzaddik was here present physically, you couldn't just access the tzaddik, you couldn't just enter into his room. You had to make an appointment, you had to have a yechidut, have a set time, you can't just access. Why can't you access? Actually, someone asked the Alter Rebbe this question. He asked out the Rebbe the question, why is it the Rebbe has a Gabai now and you can't access him and you can't just approach him and the doors are closed and it's limited? It, you know, it was like, it's like what, what's this? The Rebbe is like so much greater and you can't approach him. So the Rebbe put his head down he thought very, very deeply and then he picked up his head and he said that we see in the body that the head has its own set of clothes in the rest of the body. The head has a hat. It's not just because the head is, head, is, a head, is separate from the body. The head is above, head and shoulders above the body. So there has to be a separation. And the person was happy, he liked the answer and he walked away. The students asked the Alter Rebbe, for this, 
You didn't have to <laughs> put your head down <laughs> and think deeply. I mean, this is obvious. Of course, the head is a head. The head is a leader. He's head and shoulders. There has to be a separation between the head and the rest of the body that everyone understands. Why did the Rebbe have to think? Well, the Rebbe says, of course, that's not, what I, that's not the reason. I, I thought when the person was asking me that question that it was a challenge from heaven. Everything is divine providence. Who puts these thoughts? We learned earlier in the Tanya, in letter number 25. Who puts the thoughts in your head? It all comes from Hashem. So when this person is asking me, why am I so above and apart and arrogant, away, you know, separate from the people, I thought that it's not him speaking. Maybe it's a divine message. Hashem is sending me a message, and maybe I'm acting arrogantly, and I'm like aloof, and I'm above, and I'm superior to everyone else. So I meditated to do some soul searching to see if that's true. And then I looked, I looked and I searched and I saw it wasn't true. I'm not arrogant, I'm not aloof, nothing could be further than the truth. That's why he meditated. But when the Rebbe is alive, he can't just access. It's limited. What goes on in his own soul remains within the Rebbe. What he uh, uh, what, he, what he imparts to us, we could only access it through hearing him speak, through his teachings, his words, his behavior. We see him in action. We see his... Uh, or his thoughts by looking at him and watching him and seeing his face and seeing him think. And, but other than that, we can't access. The soul of the Rebbe remains within the Rebbe. We only get a glimpse of the Rebbe. We get a glimmer. We get a little taste, a little touch through his communication with us or through watching him live in action or through his thoughts. So it's limited. The access is limited. So the reason why physically the access is limited because our access to his soul is limited. Because, you know, as the Rebbe could be a public figure. But we don't really know the Rebbe inside. The Rebbe inside, his soul is on fire. His soul is, is so much more intense and so much deeper. We can only get a little taste, a little glimmer that we can receive. Because we're not vessels to receive the soul of the Rebbe himself. It's, it's so much greater than us. Head and shoulders above us. So therefore, the access is limited. But what happens after the Rebbe passes away? You can go to the oil. Anyone in this room hasn't yet been by the oil, I would highly recommend it. Join us now our annual trip. We take to the oil for the yard site. We'd have a group. We take, we go together. You can access the Rebbe 24-7. There's no gabai. There's no one watching the door. You don't have to make any appointments. There's no limit. You can go. You can spend as much time as you need. You can pour your heart out. 24-7. That's just a physical symptom of what's going on spiritually. Because when the tzaddik passes away, his, his body can no longer contain his soul. There's a surge. It's not a, a darkness, a void. On the contrary, there's an elevation of his soul. His soul is now explosive in a whole different dimension. It can no longer be contained in his body. Therefore, you have direct access. Not through his thought, speech, or action. You have direct access to the life of his soul. His love of Hashem, his awe of Hashem, his faith in Hashem, and you have direct access to Not to the glimmer of the ray, but to, his, to the spirit, the spirit of the of his soul. So he's saying that's what the Zohar means that if anything, the tzaddik 
is more accessible today? Is more active after he passes away and more accessible after he passes away and is more powerful in this world than he was before he passed away. But this is true only to his students, those who knew him personally, or those who love the Rebbe, because the conduit for anything spiritual is love. That's the connection, that's the glue between, you know, ego separates. Love comes from spiritual, comes from selflessness, comes from, and that connects. So the, the deeper the love of the chassid to the rebbe, of the student to the teacher of the, of the rebbe, the greater is the flow and the impact and the access you have to that energy of the rebbe, the spirit of the rebbe. So it changes your whole outlook on life and death, you know, when it comes to that tzaddik. That tzaddik, even when he passes away, he's alive. And not only is he alive, as Zohar says, he's more alive in this world. Not only in heaven he's alive, in another dimension. of He's more alive and active here to us, to his students who are alive, than he was before he passed away. So the connection is only deeper. Our connection to the Rebbe only grows deeper. It's a two-way street. Love is a two-way street. You open up. You know, the Talmud says more than the student wants to learn, the teacher wants to teach. So, so my, my teacher once told us it works both ways also. More than the student doesn't want to learn, <laughs> the teacher doesn't want to teach. <laughs> it's like anything else. A relationship is a two-way street. You know, there's love, you respond. Husband and wife, it's a two-way street. It's reciprocal. It's not one evokes the other. And the stronger the love, the stronger the response. It's not a mechanical event. It's, it's, it's a relationship. It's a live, it's a real thing. So do with the Rebbe. The more open you are, and the more open your heart is, and the more pure your heart is, and the more then you draw an access directly from the soul of the Rebbe. You get that life, that spirit, that uh, love of Hashem, and that dynamism, and that energy, and that godliness is alive, and it's the Rebbe's faith, and the Rebbe's love. And, all. and that continues to live at a whole different level. Now it's explosive. Now it's a thousandfold, thousand times stronger, and more powerful, and more active, and more dynamic, and vibrant. So, so this is words of comfort, trying to comfort the Hasidim, that they shouldn't think that the Rebbe is gone, absent. There's an unbelievable story in Shifchia Baal Shem Tev. The Shifchia Baal Shem Tev are stories about the Baal Shem Tev. And some stories of the Magid. Shifchia Baal Shem Tev was written by this Hasid who they say heard most of these stories, many of these stories from the Alter Rebbe, who heard from the Hasidim, and he related the stories that he heard about the Malshemta. And there's an unbelievable story there of the Magid of Mizrich, the Alter Rebbe's teacher, the leader of the Hasidic movement after the Malshemta's passing, Rabbi Dovber. At one time, Rabbi Dovber had one son, one child. He's called Rabbi Avram the Angel. He was Alter Rebbe's partner, learning partner. And um, they had a learning relationship. Alter Rebbe would teach him Talmud, the revealed part of the Torah, because Alter Rebbe came, he was a known genius, 
and Rabbi Avram, the angel, would teach Alter Rebbe, would learn with him Kabbalah and the secrets of And they had a certain set time. He would teach, learn him this for a few hours, and he would learn this for a few hours, and Alter Rebbe would cheat. <laughs> he would change the clock. <laughs> he would get in more hours. <laughs> It says that the King Solomon says, Mayim gnuvim yim toku, things that are stolen are very sweet. So you can use the theft in a kosher way. Here, not ever use it in a kosher way. He would steal the clock, get more time, but he get more time to learn with the malach, the Kabbalah. So he, played a, he played a little shtick. So when the, when the Maggid passed away, Avram the angel went to the grave of the Maggid. And he complained to him. He said there was a chassid, a big chassid of the Baal who was very disrespectful to Rabbi Avram the angel. Mistreated him, disrespectful, made life very difficult for him. And it was bothering him. It, it, it disturbed him. He, he couldn't serve Hashem with peace of mind. His chassid was driving him crazy. So he went to the grave of his father and poured his heart out there. What should I do with this chassid? He's driving me crazy. He's making my life miserable. This is the story. The next day, the chassid comes into the show. <laughs> and who does he see sitting on his regular seat, on his regular chair? He sees the Maggid of Mizrich <laughs> is sitting there in flesh and blood, sitting on his chair. <laughs> the chassid almost, dropped, almost died right then and there. And the Maggid says, you think I left the world? You think it's a Hefkerwelt? You think it's a Olam Hefker? You can do whatever you want? It's a, it's, a, it's a free for all? You think I'm gone? Don't you dare start up with my son? My only son? And of course, that was, his son never had any trouble with his chassid ever again. But the Talmud, this is not just a story, a Hasidic tale. The Talmud tells us that Rebbe, the author of the Mishnah, Rebbe Nakadish, after he passed away, he used to come home every Friday night and make Kiddush for his family. And to make Kiddush, you have to be in flesh and blood. He didn't come as a ghost. He came as Rebbe himself. He walked out, they had dinner together. And this went on for a long time. Until one of the neighbors found out, and once it became public knowledge, Rebbe stopped coming. It was physically. He came physically. He used to come every Friday night physically to his home. Alive and well, here he is. Made Kiddush. And he used to eat dinner with his family. So when the Torah says that the tzaddik is alive, these are not just empty words. These are not just theoretical, abstract. The reality is that tzaddik is alive not that he passed away and he's gone. It's finished. It's darkness. Kavur, it's buried. It's finished. It's, it's final. No. It's just the beginning. It's a birth. It's, 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 it's a whole different level of life. It's a deepening and intensification of life. It's how it is more alive than ever. And not only more alive in another dimension, he's more alive in this world. We don't see it with the naked eye. By Rebbe, it was manifest even physically. Rabbi Dovber appeared to this chassid physically, showing him 
I'm not, I didn't go anywhere. Don't think it's finished, it's over, it's dead. It's, it's more alive than ever. I'm more active than ever, I'm more alive than ever. The holiness is just growing deeper and deeper and more vibrant. Evil is dying. Evil is dead. Evil comes to an end. And one evil has no connection to the next evil. Hitler, Stalin, Arafat, one evil has no connection to the other. But goodness, it's alive. And one builds in the other. And it continues. And it deepens. And it intensifies. And all the souls of the righteous are going every day, they're growing, and three times a day, and every Shabbos, and every Rosh Chodesh, and every holiday, and every year. Imagine Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah, and Gan Eden for 3,800 years. Imagine what level they're at today. They're, they're just growing. They're more alive. and They're more alive. We're more alive. They're alive, not just in heaven. They're active here and now through us. And we can access that energy. There's no more boundaries. When the tzaddik is physically alive, there are boundaries. You can't just go in, you can't just access, you can't just approach. It's a limited connection. Now it's unlimited. No boundaries. We can access all their souls. It's accessible. It's available but it depends on us. The last thing we learned last week, you have to work very hard. To make yourself a vessel, you got to work very hard. you got to get out of your ego. As long as we're stuck in our own egos, as long as we're trapped, as long as we're fearful, and we're afraid, and we limit ourselves, and we're like a stone, and we have this foolish pride and we don't, we're not open to change we're not open to grow we're not open to revolutionize and radically change and open ourselves up we're afraid we're complacent and we're smug and we're content and we're not open to anything you can't fill a full cup but emptier if you empty yourself out and you open yourself up and you remove Go beyond your ego and so you open yourself up. It's infinite. There's no limit. The more we open up, the more we can receive, the more we can access, the more alive we become. It's there. It's ready for the taking. But we have to open ourselves up. No one could do that work for us. We have to open our hearts. We have to work hard. Yigiyat Sumai says you have to work very, very hard. But if you do work hard, then we have the promise. You'll work hard. The reward won't be commensurate to your effort. It'll be like matzasa. Like you find a lost object. You're walking down the street and you find a $100 bill. You didn't even work for it. It was unexpected. You just pick it up. So the, the reward won't be commensurate to your effort. No matter how much effort you put in, you put in tremendous effort the reward is going to be so far beyond your effort, it's as if almost I just found it without putting in any effort. Because the, the re, it's so much beyond. So if we open ourselves up a little bit, 
Hashem says, Pitchali kechudesh shomachat, openly, open a little opening. Then the eftachalchem kepischa shalulam, and I'll make such an opening that's so huge, you can't even compare. But I need that opening. Chudesh shomachat, the needle hole. It's a tiny, tiny hole. But it has to be thorough. It has to be a hole. It has to puncture. It has to penetrate. It has to be through and through. You have to get beyond your ego. You have to, it has to be some opening. If a person is closed and he says, you know, I'm not going to budge, I'm not going to change, inspire me, and, and doesn't come to be inspired and doesn't want to hear words that will inspire him and doesn't want to come to an environment that will inspire them, and they're just closed-minded and they sit and, and hang out in places that will never inspire you, will never move you, will never change you, and never challenge you. You know, if you declare that I'm a stone, I'm never going to budge, I'm never going to change, then there's no opening. But if there's a genuine opening, then Yagaita or Matsasa, you're going to find. Then it's infinite. You can access and draw and tap into this powerful energy. You can catch a ride with the tzaddik. <laughs> the tzaddik is going places. Just grab on for dear life, buckle your seatbelt, and you're going to go places you, can't, you couldn't even imagine. You can't even imagine. The tzaddik is going to elevate But you have to make that opening. That's what we left off last week. And now he's going to add... This is only accessing the spirit of the tzaddik. But then there is the neshama of the tzaddik, which is elevated to the higher level of the Garden of Eden, and the tzaddik continues to grow and leaps and bounds. And that level is lofty. That level is way beyond us. And we can't really access that level. But even from that level, there's some ray, there's some, something that we can get from that level. Even from that lofty level, where the tzaddik is climbing and growing and living and from one level to another level. Even as the tzaddik is climbing and growing in the spiritual life, from that lofty level, we can receive something. From the spirit of the tzaddik, we can directly access it. If we work hard, if we have the love to the tzaddik, if we have the relationship with the tzaddik, we can directly access it. But the lofty level of the tzaddik, we can't directly access. It's not available to us. The tzaddik is in a different place. But something of that lofty level does affect us, does have some, some influence on us. That's what he's going to discuss here. Now there is another kind of illumination from the tzaddik to his disciples. However, it does not vest itself truly in their minds, as, in the, as is the case with the first kind of illumination that derives from the ruach of the tzaddik, whereby his faith, fear, and love are intellectually integrated and internalized within his disciples, but radiates over them from above, encompassing and transcending them, for its very loftiness inhibits it from descending and being integrated within them. It stems from the ascent of the tzaddik's ruach and the shama to the source from which it was hewn, that is, to 
Shachol Tapulchem Kadishan. Literally, the orchard of the okay. holy apples. What connects us with the tzaddik is our mind. We learn the teachings of the tzaddik. We absorb and internalize the teachings of the tzaddik. So that's a very internal connection. It's a very real connection, a very personal connection. We get to know the tzaddik. We get to know his teachings. So that leaves a very uh, internal mark on us. It's a direct influence. It changes us personally in a very deep way. When your mind understands something, it, it changes it. But then there's a level of a tzaddik that's beyond his, his, you know, when the neshama, when the neshama passes away, the neshama reaches the root of the neshama, the source of the neshama, the root of the neshama, which is divine, the divine world of emanation, which is much greater than the consciousness of the neshama. The spirit of the tzaddik is his consciousness, his conscious faith, his conscious love, his conscious awe of Hashem. But the root of the neshama is the divine, the divine spark, the divine essence. It's located at the center of our being. But we can't access it. But when the neshama passes away, then the neshama, the neshama of the tzaddik is elevated to its source. Its source and its root is revealed to the tzaddik. And that's not something that we can access or internalize. You know, we can internalize the teachings of the tzaddik. We can internalize his energy, his motivation, his drive his mind, his heart. But to, to experience that divine essence, that's really beyond, beyond us. So that's not something that we can, that has a direct influence on us. But nevertheless, there is a radiation, an illumination. Since the tzaddik does is able to access his divine source, his divine essence, the root of his soul, that divine core and essence. And he's able to tap into it and experience it. That's what the tzaddik experiences after he passes away. So his students he's, are able to benefit from that somewhat. Not directly, but indirectly. There is some illumination, some elevation. Because the tzaddik is connected to us. The tzaddik is connected to all his students, to all, as a Jewish leader, he's connected to the Jewish people. And he remains connected. Even in his lofty elevations, he still remains a uh, faithful shepherd. He still remains a faithful leader, a faithful shepherd. So even in his elevation, he's still being a faithful shepherd and his shearing, just like all his life, the tzaddik sheared everything that was going on inside of himself. He didn't just share with us the superficial things. The tzaddik, a true leader, shares with his chassidim the things that excite him. That's what he shared. The Rebbe used to share with us the deepest, the things that motivated him, that excited him. He shared with us. 
He didn't share with us, okay, I'm speaking to these simple people, let me give them something, let me throw them a bone, let me give them something that they can understand, which is very limited. No, the Rebbe used to share with us everything that was going on inside of himself, the things that, that he was excited about, the things that inspired him, he would share with us. That's a true leader. That's a true act of love. He shares the deepest things that are going on, the richest He's sharing with us all his riches. Not sharing with us, okay, let me give you something. No. He took us into his inner chambers, his innermost chambers, the thing that he was into, the thing that he cared about more than anything else. If he cared about Mashiach, he shared it with us. The things that would move him, that made him cry, that made him dance that got him excited. That's what he shared with us. The deepest, the rawest, the truest, the most genuine. So you think when the tzaddik passes away and the tzaddik is now on a journey and he's on a level, you know, revealing the essence of his soul, the divine core and essence of his soul, the world of emanation, you think now he abandoned us? He left us behind? That's not a Rebbe. That's not a real shepherd. That's not a tzaddik. The tzaddik says, my children, come. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you. Whatever is going on in my life, I'm sharing with you. I'm here with you. I'm having this unbelievable experience. You're going to have it together with me. I'm going to take you along for the ride. But we're just not vessels and vehicles. Even the tzaddik only experiences it after he passes away. When his, right, when his life reaches perfection and wholeness, he finished his life, he concluded his life, then he's able to be elevated and reach the root and source of his soul. So we're not vessels and vehicles. Our minds and our hearts and our conscious self are simply not a vessel and a vehicle to receive this divine revelation. So all we can receive is like a, an illumination which also helps us. How does it manifest itself? He's going to say that this has manifests itself in that once in a while we get this inspirational thoughts seemingly out of nowhere. These thoughts of teshuva, these thoughts that stir our heart, that stir our soul. Something stirs inside of us, seemingly out of nowhere. No explanation. We didn't work for it, we didn't do any effort to just where do these come from these stirrings of the heart these stirrings of the soul this is from the light of the tzaddik the light of the rebbe from whatever peak he's at whatever experience peak experiences that he's having right now so some illumination something illuminates us and seemingly out of nowhere we get these we're swept away by these stirrings and these inspirations and these these moving moments which we can't explain so that's, that's the effect that the tzaddik has on us. But he's having an effect. He's having an impact. Even in his loftiest level, he's still communicating with us. He's still sharing with us. He's sharing himself with us. Because that's the definition of a Rebbe. You know, uh, recently we had a celebration of the, uh, of the books that were read the library, you know, 30 years ago, the books were stolen, and 
you know, you can go on Chabad.org, you can watch the video, the whole, the whole saga. But one of the key testimonies that, uh, that, uh, that had an impact on the judge, the non-Jewish judge, and that he decided in the favor of the, of the Hasidim, that the books belong to the, to the Hasidim, to the Rebbe, they interviewed the, this was the library of the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe. One of the grandsons decided it's a personal inheritance and it was incredibly valuable. The books there were invalu- incredibly valuable and he started selling it. He thought he would become a millionaire. Why? He has this valuable inheritance, why not? And the Rebbe was like so shaken by it. This, this, this is not a private inheritance. The previous Rebbe was a Rebbe. He didn't collect this for himself. This was for the Jewish people, for the Hasidim, for the whole Jewish so they interviewed the Rebbe's wife, the daughter of the previous Rebbe. And they said, um, is it true that these books belong to, the, to your father? It was, it was his personal private library? So she answered, not only didn't the books belong to my father, my father didn't belong to my father. My father himself belonged to the Hasidim. <laughs> that was his essence. It wasn't the job being a Rebbe. It's not like being a CEO. It wasn't the job, a nine-to-five job, an 18-hour-a-day job, 20-hour-a-day job. This was his essence. His whole being was the Jewish people. One time, in the previous Rebbe was paralyzed. He was sick. He wasn't well the last few years and the last years. And one time, they heard he rolled out of bed, like he fell off his bed. And he was in terrible pain. And they came to pick him up, and he was laughing. He was like smiling. He says, Rebbe, why were you smiling? He says, I had a premonition that something terrible is going to happen today. And I was so worried that something terrible is going to happen to the Jewish people. Some terrible tragedy. It happened to me. I'm smiling, Baruch Hashem. It was only me. So his love for the Jewish people, his whole being belonged to the Hasidim, to the Jewish people. That's what he, that was his life. So if his whole being belonged to him, you think he collected the books for himself. This was a library for Klal Yisrael. It belongs to the Jewish people. And the judge was very taken by these words. Based on that, one of the things that, he, that helped him decide that the books belonged to Chassidim, he, he had to give back everything. Everything had to be returned. Which was a tremendous victory. But, but so a Rebbe is so connected to the Chassidim that even in his passing, and even this peak experience and this elevation that's so lofty, that's so many levels beyond anything we could even imagine. Even the tzaddik in his lifetime couldn't experience what he's experiencing presently. Reaching the source of his soul and the essence of his soul and the world, like he's going to explain now, reaching the world of emanation, the world, divine world of emanation. But even in that experience, he's not forgetting about us. <laughs> He's illuminating us. We can't absorb it, we can't receive it, we can't internalize it, but it has some elevation, some effect on us. So this is in contrast to what we learned earlier. The spirit of the tzaddik, his conscious love for Hashem, his conscious awe of Hashem, his conscious faith of Hashem, that's something we can access, that's something we can internalize that can inspire us and inspire our learning and our davening and our mitzvot. But this lofty level of the tzaddik, this is beyond our capacity. But even that level has some effect on us. 
some influence on us. This ascent affects the union there between the spirituality, spiritually feminine sephira of Malfut and the spiritually masculine levels of divine efflux that transcends it. The world of Atsilas in itself is a divine world. But when you add to it, when you add to it the, the uh, yichud, it's a, medical, it's a metaphor, just like when husband and wife come together. You, with, as a result of this union, you draw down a new soul, you create a new reality. So as a result of the unions, we draw down a new energy. A new energy, something new, something novel. In addition to the energy of the world of emanation, which in itself is already divine, but we add to it through the yichud, the unification of the masculine and the feminine. When you bring together the masculine and the feminine, you create. You create a whole new, a whole new life. You draw down a whole new energy, a whole new life. So you're drawing down a whole new divine revelation in the world of emanation. By means of the elevation of Mayan Nikuvin, feminine waters, that is, by means of all the mortally initiated spiritual arousal constituted by all the Tzadikim's action, his Torah, and the divine service in which he engaged all the days of his life. For, as will be explained below in, in Epistle 28, all of man's lifelong labors and attainments are revealed from their former state of concealment and shine forth at the time of his death. It's like every day of our life is a piece of the puzzle, and then when you put it all together, for the first time, you see the whole picture. So all the individual good deeds of the tzaddik, all his Torah and mitzvot and kindness and chesed, acts of chesed and selflessness and goodness, each act has a tremendous effect, but it remains hidden. It's like you have money in the bank, but it's, 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 you can't access it. It's, it's a Swiss bank account that you can't access, but then, but then it all comes together. The day the tzaddik passes away, it all comes together. Every deed that he's ever done throughout his entire life, and all the Torah, and all the tears, and the sweat, and the toil, and the sacrifice, and the goodness, and the selflessness, all comes together, and then it just becomes a powerful force, and, and, and that reveals all those stored light, so to speak, all those stored energy is now revealed and exposed. This powerful surge of energy, which creates a powerful unification, in the world of emanation, a revelation of godliness, a new revelation of godliness. So as a result of the tzaddik's tremendous life and tremendous holiness and saintliness and goodness, at the end of his life, he draws down and reveals a new surge of energy in the world of emanation, a new godly revelation. His life results in a godly revelation. These lights that result of these yichudim, this surge of energy, is now planted. It's like a seed that's planted in this fertile ground, which is Malchus Datsilis, which is the divine equivalent of earth. So, just like when you plant a seed, it's just the beginning. It's not, it's, not, it's done. You're planting the seed, it's just the beginning. From this seed will grow this lush tree that has so many fruits and so many other seeds, and those seeds can plant more seeds ad, ad infinitum. So the, when the tzaddik's life comes together, and as a result, all the lights and energy, the accumulation of all the lights and energy is now one tremendous surge, creates this unification. 
which evokes a response from above and this new illumination, a new divine flow of energy, this new divine illumination is now planted in the world of Chakal Tapuch and Kaddish in this field, in this, in this uh, divine earth, in the level of Malchut, which then will give off fruits forever and ever and ever. And it will grow exponentially. Like an investment. It's an investment. And that investment just grows and compounds and grows. But this isn't happening in our world. No, in, in the world of emanation. But it's like an investment that grows. You know, put put a thousand dollars in your in your baby's name. In a hundred years from now, that'll probably be worth about ten million, hundred million dollars. <laughs> Just let it grow, reinvest the dividends, let it grow exponentially, compound. So it's just the beginning. It's not that tzaddik is life is over and finished and gone. No, as a result of this whole life, this creates a yichud, a divine flow. A chiddush, a new divine energy, a new divine flow that was never revealed before. And this is planted, and now it's like a new garden. A whole new growth, a whole new tree which will give off and continue to give off and continue to grow. From this one tree, I can plant a thousand trees, a million trees, and goes on and on and on. It's a live, dynamic, vibrant, and infinite, and inexhaustible, renewable energy that keeps on growing and growing exponentially and compounding. So the soul of the tzaddik and the influence of the tzaddik just grows and compounds and becomes more forceful and more powerful with each passing day. It's a whole, whole different vision, a whole different view, a life. I'm corresponding to an example from the mother, illuminations, which are the tzaddik's Torah and worship. His divine service does sometimes lofty illuminations above, which are revealed in the sin below at the time of his presence. It's a response. Notice, Hashem is responding. Just like you have the feminine and the masculine, the masculine energy responds to the feminine. You know, the more interest she has in him, the more interest he has in her. So Hashem is responding to the life of the tzaddik. You put the life of the tzaddik together and it's such a this powerful surge all comes together. Hashem responds to the life. What's Hashem's response? This new revelation of godliness that was never before. And this new revelation is planted in this garden. A new planting, a new tree, a new, a new garden. Which has effects all the way down to our world. What's the effect in our world? The illumination of these supernal lights, whether it's overall, is these disciples who became servants of God through His Torah and worship. And this illumination, which radiates over them from above, <clears throat> despite this transcendence and so powerful that is instilled in their hearts, thoughts of repentance and good deeds. So, what's the effect that this has on us here below? These are the thoughts of Teshuvah, these stirrings of the heart that come seemingly out of nowhere. That's the effect. Where did it come from? It didn't come from us. We're coarse, we're crass. It didn't come from us. It comes from that, those lights that were planted, the life of the tzaddik, the energy where Hashem responded with these godly revelation, and it was planted, and we benefit from it. And interesting, he says that this light radiates to all his disciples. 
previously we learned last week to access the soul of the tzaddik, the spirit of the tzaddik. He says, on page 178, the second line from the bottom, he says, it extends itself amongst his disciples. It doesn't say all of his disciples his disciples, and he says it depends, every disciple according to the closeness and his love and his closeness to his Rebbe, and you have to have a tremendous love, and you have to work on it very hard. Here, he says, all of the students, he doesn't say you have to work on it, he says you have feelings of teshuva that come out of nowhere, I didn't work on it, I didn't do anything. So what's the difference? That's the difference. To access the spirit of the tzaddik in a very real, personal, internal way, it all depends on the intimacy, how intimate you are with the tzaddik, how close you are with the tzaddik, what your relationship with the tzaddik. If there's love, and the more love, and the more open your heart is, and the more you work on yourself, and the more you open yourself up, the more you can access. But here we're talking about a light, a transcendent light, a light that comes from above, it's beyond us, it's beyond our capacity to receive, to absorb, it's beyond our mind, it's from our heart. You're talking about the divine, the divine world of emanation, it's a divine, godly thing that's totally beyond us. The root of the tzaddik, the soul of the tzaddik, is beyond us. So this, the root of the soul, which comes from Malchus Datsilis, the world of emanation, this is something that can only have a peripheral effect on us like a, a surrounding effect on us, an encompassing effect. You know, the difference between a, an analogy of a personal effect versus a more g- general effect, when the tzaddik speaks to you and you're learning and you're te- he's teaching you and you're learning, that you absorb it, it goes inside, it, it's something you understand, you internalize but sometimes, let's say you see the tzaddik davening. You know, you're just inspired just by seeing this, this picture of the tzaddik davening to Hashem and pouring out his soul to Hashem. It's so lofty, it's so beyond you. But you can't help but be inspired. But it's a more general inspiration. It's a more like a transcendent type of inspiration. I'm just in the presence of greatness, so I'm affected by it, I'm moved. It's not personal, it's not internal, it's not intimate, but it, has, it does have a tremendous effect on the person nevertheless. You know, you can't help but be affected. But it's a more transcendent type of thing. So to hear, this type of influence is a much more transcendent influence, distant influence, removed, remote influence. But it has an influence. And therefore it's not limited. All the students, all the students means even someone who doesn't even know the tzaddik. But anyone who learns his Torah, anyone who learns his teachings, like we're learning the Tanya now, anyone who learns his teachings. And there's no, there's no caveats, there's no limits. It's, it's, it has an influence over all of them, equally. All the good deeds born of this illumination which radiates from the lights and planet in the above-mentioned worship are called successive generations of offshoots. Since the illuminations themselves grew directly out of the lights implanted by the Sadiq, the good deeds which these illuminations in turn inspire are its offshoots of the second generation. The nature of, of trees is, uh, you know, you plant a seed and it grows a tree and the tree has a fruit and the fruit has seeds and then you can replant those seeds and it can grow and it goes it continues. So too, 
the 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 life of the tzaddik is planted in the divine world, and and it evokes a response which is planted in the divine world, and then that inspiration inspires you, and that inspiration leads you to do a mitzvah. So the deeds which result from this inspiration, which this inspiration was given birth by the. The unifications affected by the tzaddik, so it's like already the second generation. You see the effect of the effect. The life of the tzaddik evoked a divine response, which was planted in, in the garden, in the, in the Chakal Tapuch, which then um, gave birth to an inspiration, a spirit, an energy, which awakened us, which then leads us to action to change our behavior to good deeds, to a good deed. So you see, it's like a rolling effect that keeps on affecting, and then your good deed, you inspire someone else, and then it continues. So it goes on and on. This radiation is greatly hidden and concealed, just like the sun radiating to the stars from below the earth. Now he's going to explain. The question is, now that he's saying that, that even this lofty level Revelation of the essence, the root of the soul of the tzaddik, the divine root of the soul of the tzaddik. That light reaches us. The question then is, why is it that its only effect is we have some thoughts of teshuva, we have a little stirring of our heart, it may lead to a good deed. It should completely, radically transform us. If a person has a revelation of Elio Anavi, could you imagine if Elio Anavi appeared himself to you? <laughs> right? It would completely revolutionize your life. You wouldn't be the same person. You wouldn't be the same. Could you imagine if you had a revelation of Elijah the prophet? We're still waiting. <laughs> right? Even in Pesach, we don't see him. You know, there was the great, there was a, the Belzer Rebbe of Aram Bells. When he opened the door for Elio Navi, he was a little boy. He pointed and said, Father, who is this person? Father said, not everything you see, you have, to, you have to announce. But he saw it. But imagine if you had a revelation of Elijah the prophet, who became an angel. It's not divine, an angel is not divine. Can you imagine how it would have shaken up your life? and It would be like an earth-shattering experience. You would never forget it for the rest of your life. It would change you forever. Your davening would be different. Your learning would be different. Everything. Forget about it. It's a sin. Forget about that. That's out of the, Who has time for that? Are you kidding? Are you on love? You appeared himself to me. You would be so changed and affected. It would. That's just the revelation of Eliyana. But here the revelation of the root and the source of the tzaddik. The divine root and the source of the tzaddik, which is the level of Atzillus, divine, the world of emanation. And here we're saying that as a result of all the mitzvot of the tzaddik, his whole lifetime, the accumulation of his whole life together, which all comes together the moment he passes away, that creates a unification. That's the arousal from below that evokes a divine response like the masculine and the feminine, which creates a new reality, a new divine revelation that was never revealed before. So within the world of emanation, which is the root and the source of the soul. It's a new illumination a new, as a result of the unification. And this light reaches us. So that, that's the whole effect. <laughs> a few stirrings of the heart, a mitzvah here, a mitzvah there. We should be radically transformed and changed forever and ever. 
Why, why? But we see that it doesn't work that way. We're not exactly radically transformed and changed. The tzaddik is going higher and higher and higher and leaps and bounds. And we, unfortunately, are going the opposite direction. Alavai, we're not going the opposite direction. But if the tzaddik is still connected and we're getting that light and we're getting that illumination, why is such a small effect? It should be a er, more earth-shattering effect. Why the disconnect? So that's what he's explaining here. Because this radiation is very hidden, it's very concealed. It's almost indirect. And he explains. Thus it is stated in the Zohar in reference to Moshe, our master, peace be upon him. But after his passing, his radiation extends in every generation to the 600,000 souls and all, all other souls being sparks of these general souls, as explained in the Tanya chapter 37. Like the sun which radiates to the 600,000 stars from below the earth, as with Moses, so do with the tzaddikim who are his successors. By means of his Torah and spiritual service, every tzaddik illumines successive generations of offshoots, his direct disciples and in turn their disciples and so on, and they follow his teachings in matters of Torah and spiritual service. When the sun is shining during the day, it's direct. We get directly, we get the light of the sun directly. What happens at night when we're blocked, the earth blocks the sun, the sun is shining on the other side of the earth, and our side is blocked from the sun. Then we get the light of the sun indirectly. Because the light of the sun lights up the moon. And we see the sunlight through the moon, reflected from the moon. So we're just getting the reflected light. Indirectly. When the sun is blazing, it's direct. It's blazing. So when the tzaddik is alive, the sun is blazing. When the tzaddik passes away, there is a surge of energy, but, the, but it leaves us, to us its darkness. We can't see the sun. It's not the sun is not there or the sun is not active. The sun is there. The sun hasn't changed. The sun is active. But now we get the light indirectly. So even though the tzaddik loves us and he shares with us and he remains a shepherd and he shares with us everything that's going on inside of him, but his light, we can only receive that indirectly. Bounced off the, the, the stars, the, 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 the moon. And therefore, the effect is not as powerful. But nevertheless, the effect is grows and continues because the tzaddik affected his students who in turn affected their students. Like the Tanya. The Tanya inspired the middle Rebbe who inspire, and inspired the Tzema Tzedek who inspired the next Rebbe who inspired the next Rebbe and the Rebbe inspires us. But this is all who inspired the Rebbe it's the Tanya. So this effect an impact in this world continues and continues to have offshoots and have offshoots and continues to grow exponentially and grow more and more powerful. And up until I think the 60s, I think I don't know how many Tanyas were published from the beginning of the Tanya till then, 200 years, I don't know, maybe 60 Tanyas or less. And since then, 
close to 7,000 Tanyas have been published. <laughs> Literally, in every city of the world. Is it, is it uh, a book of Tanyas? Separate books? Well, here in the English translation, there's five, because there's a lot, there's commentaries, but the Tanya itself is one book. We publish a Tanya here in this Chabad House, in the Upper East Side. <laughs> Not only is it Tanya published in every city, I'm sure in, in, in your city was also published, but it's also studied in every city. But is it the same one? It's the same Tanya, but it's, it's, it's uniquely published in that city. In other words, they published their own Tanya in this city. So it's the same Tanya. So, no, no, same one, same one, same one. 7,000 editions are the same one. But it's been published in every town. It's been not just brought to that city, published in that city. We published it right here in this building. It had, contains all five parts of the Tanya. And, um, but so the idea that it keeps on growing. It's not like the Alter Rebbe taught it and then passed away and closed the book and it's gone and it's finished. It was nice while it lasted. On the contrary, you see how vibrant, how alive, and how through lessons in Tanya and the web, Tanya is reaching all over the world. It, it, it's just growing deeper, more powerful, more intense. So that light, that sun, that sun which is as strong as ever and stronger than ever, even at night when we don't see the sun, it's not the sun is not there, the sun is not active, the sun is there, the sun is active. But we get it indirectly. So that's why we don't realize the effect, or we don't sense the full effect of it. So it's hidden and concealed. I guess that allows us to have freedom of choice. Can you imagine if, if the sun was shining? If that sun was shining directly, we would all be so radically transformed and changed, there wouldn't even be a possibility to act foolishly or to do foolish things. We would all be... But Hashem wanted us, we should have freedom of choice. So we don't realize that, in truth, holiness is alive. Holiness is winning. Holiness is triumphant. Holiness is becoming more powerful with each passing day. One generation is connected to the previous generation, it's connected to the previous generation, and just continues and grows and deepens. And especially the analogy of Moshe Rabbeinu, because there's a Moshe Rabbeinu, the Zohar says, in every generation. So the soul of Moshe never really died. Because, yeah, the body of Moshe is buried but this, the essence of Moshe, as he said earlier, was his soul, not his body. His life, his relationship with Hashem. And that soul continues in a bodily form with the Rebbe of the generation, the leader of the generation, who embodies Moshe Rabbeinu. So it's very much active and alive. The soul of Moshe is very much active and alive, not just spiritually in heaven, but in this world. And with each generation, it just gets stronger and stronger, clearer and clearer more powerful, more powerful than ever. So we have to realize that even though we are the lowest generation, spiritually speaking, we are the midgets, but the Rebbe's, our leaders, the Moshe Rabbeinu's, are getting stronger and stronger. They embody what's going on in the inside. The inner dynamic is the exact opposite of the outer dynamic. The outer dynamic externally is getting darker and darker and we're getting lower and lower. 
But what's going on on the inside, as exposed in this letter and the explanation, it's the exact opposite. It's getting stronger and stronger, more powerful and more dynamic and more relevant and more real with every passing minute, every passing hour, every passing day, every passing week, every passing month, every passing year, every passing generation. With each Rebbe, the Rebbe just gets stronger and stronger, holier and holier, deeper and deeper, more powerful than ever. So as low as we are, the Rebbe is the holiest. With each Rebbe, each Rebbe is holier than the previous. Greater than the previous. Because holiness, holiness is growing. The previous Rebbe is growing. Their soul is growing. Yiddishkeit is growing in leaps and bounds. It's advancing. It's not, we're not going backwards. It's not a death, an interruption, an end, a period. No. It's a new chapter. It's opening up a whole new chapter. It's opening up a whole new revelation, a whole new di- dimension, a whole new reality. It's just increasing, intensifying, and deepening. So we're getting a glimpse of what's really going on. The inner story, not the superficial story. It's buried, it's dead, it's gone, it's finished. Nothing can be further than the truth. That's part of the con, that's part of the lie. We live in a world that's one big con, one big lie. Part of the lie is that death is final, it's finished, it's over. There's no death. As modern physics says, energy doesn't die, energy can't die. Holiness doesn't die. Godliness doesn't die. Hashem is alive. The soul is alive. The Jew is alive. The Torah is alive. And growing deeper and deeper with each passing day. Very, very powerful letter. <laughs> very appropriate to Yutzvat is coming up. This is a letter that the Rebbe spoke about probably more than any other letter. The idea that the tzaddik is alive and that the previous Rebbe is alive and Yiddishkeit is alive because people were very disheartened. You know, 1950, the previous Rebbe passed away. Everyone thought, okay, it's over, it's finished, I mean, this is it. And the Rebbe embodied this, this letter, he lived this letter. Are you kidding? Yiddishkeit is more powerful than ever. Yiddishkeit is going to conquer, it's, it's going to grow, it's going to take over the world. Yiddishkeit is so powerful that he's so accessible to it. Godliness and holiness. As difficult and all the challenges and difficulties that we have and the coarseness and the crassness that we have to deal with. But the truth is, it's just the opposite. Godliness has never been more accessible than this day. You think in the shtetl they, they had access to godliness, to holiness? They have nothing on us. In the year 2017, here on the Upper East Side, godliness is more accessible than any other time in Jewish history. Because Yiddishkeit and holiness and purity and goodness and wholesomeness is just getting more and more powerful and more relevant with each passing day. It's a whole different view of this world. Instead of being disheartened, demoralized, discouraged, the Rebbe energized the Jewish people and gave them so much hope and life. And look, look at the miracle. Something from nothing. 5,000 Chabad houses, 5,000 communities. Literally, something from nothing. In places that people would have sworn, just like no here is going to grow here. <laughs> no Jewish community will ever flourish in this city. And look today. Revolutions. Earthquakes. Positive earthquakes. Spiritual revolutions. 
homegrown, flourishing Jewish communities literally in every corner of the world. Anyone 30 years ago would have said it's impossible. It can never happen. And it happened. This is living proof of this letter. That the souls of all the Rebbe's and the souls of they are alive and pumping and powerful and vibrant and active. Not in heaven, in this world. And you're looking at the results and you're sitting in one of the results. <laughs> They're a miracle. These are miracles. So this is living proof of everything that the Alter Rebbe is writing about. This is, this is words of comfort. Don't be discouraged. Don't be demoralized. You have to look at it properly. We're on the winning side. Don't think we're on the losing side. Our general died. Fell in battle. It's all over. It's lost. We're lost. No, that's not the right way of looking. Comments, questions, thoughts. You don't have to agree with anything that was said. <laughs> the multiplication or the uh, growth that happens after the Siddiq leaves. I'm trying to grasp uh, where is that growth coming from, from what's causing it. I'm not grasping it. So some is time. Like you said, it's just multiplication. You take... Uh, something and we need to apply it again and again and again like a tree branches you get more and more right that's one one explanation is is another explanation that um, when the Sadiq is here his presence actually his ego if you will his presence there's something limiting in that because it, it conveys something more tangible or more constrained almost like what you said uh, a few months ago that uh, when Hashem created the world was an act of tzimtzum. And, and he said this uh, strong language, actually. He said he had to remove his ego, as if the Shem has an ego. He had to remove it in order to be able to create something very tangible, more gashmi, very... Uh, is that part of it? I'm trying to understand where... In a way, yeah, because it's tzaddik when he's limited in the body, so it's limited. And his influence is also limited. But when the tzaddik is no longer right, he has to remove himself the ultimate sacrifice. This was the Rebbe said at the end of his first Hasidic discourse, and he was crying. He says, when the, when the general sees that we, you know, the goal is to bring Mashiach, Mashiach hasn't come yet, mission not accomplished, so he makes the ultimate sacrifice. By removing himself, it's really, in a way, it's the ultimate sacrifice. But by removing himself, actually, his presence much more powerful now. Paradoxically, yeah. it's not limited and it's much more powerful and it's, the influence is much more powerful. And you see that. I mean, the Rebbe Chabad doubled, tripled, if not quadrupled since the Rebbe passed away. So you see, the Rebbe is more active than ever, more alive than ever, more influential than ever, more dynamic than ever. But it's the ultimate sacrifice. To remove yourself when you're no longer limited to the body. But it's a sacrifice. But was that a deficient by us, not by the Rebbe? Well, it bothered us that he wasn't in body. That limits us. It didn't limit him. Well, 
you're right, if we were more spiritual, if we were more genuine, this sacrifice would not be necessary. In other words, if we were proper Hasidim, and we were conduits for the Rebbe's message, then that light would be able to penetrate and reach the whole world without that sacrifice. But unfortunately, we don't have to spell it out. Mission not accomplished. We did not get the job done. Mashiach didn't come. Obviously, the lack is enough. Lack wasn't in there. So since we were not the way we could have been, should have been, could have been, we did not realize our potential fully. So Mashiach has to come. And the Rebbe was ready to make the ultimate sacrifice. The Rebbe was not happy about what happened. He didn't want that. That wasn't the plan. The plan was Mashiach should come before Gimel Tavos. That was clearly the plan. But Mashiach is not coming. It's not happening. The job is not getting done. The dirab etachtonim, the dwelling place in this world, did not happen yet. So the Rebbe was ready to make, as painful as it was, the Rebbe was ready to make the ultimate sacrifice. And, and, and then it went to a whole different level. Just opened everything up. It just that even if we're not on that level, still the Rebbe's influence now is so much more powerful, so much more effective, so much more to the point, and penetrating. Tzaddik is more active and alive and penetrating and influential here and now in this world. You see that. You see that physically. Chabad, quadruple. And the next letter we're going to read, the next letter is about, also about passing away. But there it's more about not a Rebbe passing away, but a, a Tzaddik, a righteous individual. And the power of his effect in this world after he passes away. That's a, that's a whole separate discussion. But it is painful. That's why it's so very painful for us. Because we know that if we were the way we should have been, it wouldn't have been necessary. And that was the Rebbe's plan A. But when he saw that he's dealing with us, unfortunately, so <laughs> this, this is a conversation with a little Lechayim, not, <laughs> not, not, not on video. <laughs> So according to the, to the theory, the Mashiach didn't come because we were not ready? That is, that is what you imply? That's for sure. The Torah says if the Jewish we're people, would, if we're people were, would have merited, Mashiach would come. We're, Absolutely. We our ways, the Rebbe said, I did everything that I can. Well, there's nothing more I can. I did everything that I can. Nothing more I can do. I mean, I, I, <laughs> 40 years, I'm, 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 I'm communicating, I'm pouring, I'm giving. And the Rebbe spoke more than all of the Rebbe's combined. From the Baal Shem Tev, including Tilda Filigrat. Giving, communicating, and moving the needle. And, 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 you know, words are very powerful. Words are transportation. Words are not just revealing. Words can transport us and move us. Words are very powerful. So the Rebbe spoke and spoke and spoke and communicated and inspired and moved and did revolutionize and change. But the Rebbe says... I have done everything that I can, but if you're not changing, 
<laughs> I mean, you have to do something. I mean, I, I, I. So, the Rebbe then said, if there were ten Hasidim in the world who were genuinely moved, who meant it genuinely, wanted Mashiach genuinely, he says, Mashiach will be here. So he's clearly it's up to us. He said, clearly, it's up to us. From his end, he's done everything. And the Rebbe is not just speaking for himself. He's speaking for all the Rebbe's, from Moshe Rabbeinu to the Rebbe, from Abraham, Avram Avinu to the Rebbe. The Rebbe's did everything that they could. The leaders were not, were not waiting for another Rebbe. They've done their work. Now it's all up to us. We've got to get our act together. <laughs> that the Rebbe can't do for us. We've got to do it for ourselves. But he said that clearly. It's up to us. So, I mean, let's, let's be honest. That's what he said. He didn't mince words. He said it very clearly. He spoke very clearly. He, he said what he means, and he means what he said. I've done everything that I can, and now it's up to us. It's totally up to us. There's nothing stopping us. Everything is available. Everything is accessible. It's all there. Powerful. But we got to get the message out. What are we doing to get the message out, to communicate and to convey and to teach and to reach and to inspire and to, to just... It's there. It's all done. It's finished. It's done. Everything that we need is done. But we got to wake up. Nobody can do that for us. But that we have to do for ourselves. What is, what is a tzaddik? How... Do we have one? Uh, we don't have one today. What, what, what is you, that? We just finished learning. The tzaddik is alive. He hasn't gone anywhere. <laughs> not only alive, the Zohar says, not only alive in the upper world. He's alive in this world. He's active. Yaakov Lomet. Yaakov didn't die. Moshe Lomet. Moshe didn't die. He's active. The Rebbe was very accessible. The Rebbe used to sit there and we stood over here. The Rebbe used to fabring every Shabbos. To speak for hours and communicate. You feel the, the amount of energy, the spiritual energy that you are describing right now, which is amazing. Did you feel it actually when, when he was here? Did you? The, the Rebbe was did you a. Have a sense of it the Rebbe was yeah. The Rebbe was a, was a, a master communicator. Firstly, he was visible. He was open. You saw him blow shofar. You saw him dance in some Torah, you saw him pray, you saw him... He was totally accessible. Not like other rabbis who were very concealed and hidden and you couldn't access them. The rabbi was totally accessible. He spoke, he didn't just speak to the elders. Open to everyone. Open to the whole world. Come. The rabbi spoke and communicated and inspired. You know, the rabbi was a piece of life, you know, an essence of life that was just so alive, so genuine that you couldn't help but be inspired, you couldn't help but be moved. You know, truth resonates. The Rebbe was just genuine. When you speak about Mashiach, he would cry like a baby. You never see adults cry. What bothered him, what moved him, what, what uh, touched him so deeply the exile that we're in Golos, Mashiach hasn't come yet. It was real. It wasn't just words. Everything that the Rebbe was 100% real. There was no ears. Nothing was embellished. It was so natural. 
just so real, so genuine. Its core is essence, through and through. There was not one one percent of anything artificial. He was like a hundred percent real, natural. The greatest sense of humor. Like all real serious people have the greatest sense of humor. But he didn't take himself seriously. But life is fun, but it's not a joke. You see, people people very really serious people have the greatest sense of humor. They, they make fun of themselves, they can poke holes, they can they see the absurdity of life, they laugh, they cry, you know, they're real people. No ears, no not, no false intensities or false everything was so in a way so simple and so real and so profound and so you know, you saw him laugh, you saw him cry, you saw him you know, he was so you, when you see something like that, you can't help but be moved. And look, he inspired a whole army, a whole generation of shluchim and shluchas, 5,000 Chabad houses, to dedicate their lives, sacrifice their lives, dedicate their lives to the Jewish people. So the Rebbe inspired. He was, he was, he was you know, he was real. He was real. Question is, uh, question is, <laughs> are, we, are, we, are we real? Mashiach hasn't come yet, and that's that's us. That's up to us. We have no one to blame. It's up to us. It's totally in our hands. So everything is there for the taking. But Hashem gives everything. Everything is for the taking, but we have to take it. Everything is accessible. But we gotta, we gotta choose. We gotta make that choice. We gotta wake up. That no one could do for us. Not Hashem, not the Rebbe. We gotta do that for ourselves. And get the word out. The world is ready. Everything is ready. Hakol Muchan Lesuda. The banquet is all set. All we have to do is feast. So sit down at the table and start feasting. This is a banquet. The Tanya is a banquet. Every Jew in the world should be learning that. All seven billion people in the world should be learning that. Should be lines out the door to come learn Tanya. It's a banquet. Everything is set. Explain, set, but we, but we gotta feast. We gotta sit down and start eating and enjoy. So that's up to us. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.